0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: Toss to Devontae Martin Manley, reaching across the goal line. He's in for the touchdown. The first passing touchdown of the year for
2: the Iowa Hawkeyes. Great job of executing the play, moving the pocket to his left, throwing against his body, throws a strike to Martin Manley for the touchdown. Excellent effort by number 11 to get inside the pylon.
0: Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our second of two weekly Reporter's Notebook segments in this podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who previews the Hawks' homecoming game against Minnesota. You'll also hear from the head coaches in the upcoming game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Minnesota's Jerry Kill. This Hawkeyes Mike program is one in a series of our regular weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbonat and Marv Cook, as well as commentators and reporters including the Gazette Scott Docterman, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and Steve Batterson's reporter's notebook segment as well as Brent Balbinat's press box report. The Iowa Central Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Danon Hughes. A nice job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefense Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who was asked about the scheme and philosophy defending against the onside kick following the gaff in last Saturday's game against Central Michigan.
2: Yeah, basically you're looking for, uh, typically, uh, linebackers, tight ends, more tight ends, obviously, if you have enough of them. Guys with ball skills but also can block. And then typically in the back line, you got guys that are more receiver skills, but we've used guys like Greenwood, Chad Greenway in the past. You know, he's a linebacker, he's an exception that role probably could have been an all-conference tight end too so you know he fits that role uh, cooper's up there you know he's basically a blocker but it's you know that's the thought process that goes into it there's some gray area in it if you talk to people that know anything about special teams there's a lot of gray area in it how you do it and uh, also gray areas in terms of how you line up so that's needless to say something we're looking at hard right now
0: ference was questioned about the rash of penalties iowa incurred against the chippewas and how that appeared to be uncharacteristic for one of his teams
2: yeah ironically we've been pretty good i think, in penalties. Uh, for the most part uh, although we've had years where we've been in the middle of the pack or even you know under the, the midway part and I said this years ago I don't know that that's critical you know sometimes you can almost be too too high in the penalty rankings in my opinion uh, it's not always a good thing but you know it's, it's clearly Saturday it was a big part of the ball game and yeah, you know, the ones that you can control uh, after the whistle stuff, those types of things, that's that's the stuff that will get you beat. You know, and it factored in. It wasn't the whole game the other day, but it factored in, to say the least.
0: Kirk was asked about the running back position and the impact on Mark Wiseman when Damon Bullock and Greg Garman returned to action.
2: Uh, it means we have two good running backs, really, you know, and uh, we expect to have Garmin back. So, but, you know, I mean, Garmin's head on, I don't know how many carries. Probably a handful, you know, I'm guessing. I don't know. You know and, and, you know, the reality still is that Damon's played two games in a quarter something like that, and Mark's played about, you know, a game in three quarters. So... You know, the, the good news is, uh, in August, we weren't sure what we had. And right now, I think we have two guys that are really good prospects at that position. So that's, that's encouraging. And, and we think Armand's going to be okay too. Uh, but you know, he hasn't done it yet. So, but, but history would say we're probably going to need at least three guys. So we're going to keep moving him along.
0: Ference talks about Minnesota coach, Jerry Kill and his teams.
2: They win. I mean, you know, that's, uh, you know, and I, I think, uh, if you go all the way back, but yeah, you know, really caught my attention at Southern Illinois. Certainly uh, he went up to Northern Illinois and continued that. And, uh, they're doing the same thing right now. So they just, you know, he's got a staff that's been with him for a long time. They, they do a great job at it. And, you know, it just shows in the play. I mean, ultimately you get, you get evaluated on how the team plays. I think, you know, to me, that's, that's what it's all about and what they look like on film. And they're, they're very impressive in all, all three areas, all offensively, defensively, and uh, special teams. And I just add in there, I mean, you know, you lose your, your marquee player and your quarterback. And it didn't slow them down at all. You know, they go on and win the Western game and come back last week and win a big game. So, you know, when you, when you can play through things that would be Challenging to anybody. That's that's really that's an impressive thing. That says a lot about their players and their staff.
0: Ference was asked about James Vandenberg's performance and struggles through the first four games.
2: It's a different language that he's thinking. You know, I mean, he's thinking like all of us are thinking. So it's a whole different language he's thinking. And yeah, some of the plays are very different. Some aren't. I, I think we're all beyond that. I think it's again, it's it's a lot bigger than one position typically. But you know, I could suggest too we've done some things pretty well the last couple of weeks offensively, and you know, I've seen improvement. Not total improvement, but uh, obviously not enough. Improvement, but I think we've seen improvement, and I think our whole thing right now is consistency in all areas. I think that's that's what I would suggest. So, at his position, uh, every position, really.
0: And Ference talks about the struggles in Iowa's punt return game and Micah Hyde's performance as the returner.
2: Uh, yeah, I can give you a commentary on that one, too, but it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think college has a bad rule in punting. If you want me to tell you what I think, you know, the fact that everybody's allowed downfield as soon as the ball snapped, I think a terrible rule for college football, but that sets the rule. So, uh, I think with that rule, being in place I don't know how many great returns you're going to see I'm not saying you won't but I think it's affected things a little bit that's just my thought on it yeah, I mean there's usually somebody coming free in his face and you know if you look at most of his best returns he's made one guy miss and then gets it up the field so you yeah, know because of the way that it is it's just uh, you know it's a tougher play it's a tougher play but yeah, realistically to me the most important thing is ball secured. if you field the ball don't let it roll and that's an issue too with some of the rugby punting you know it's, uh, it's why a lot of people do it so it's uh, again there's a lot to it but you I'd be all for big returns. They're just they're tough to come by. I don't know what the national average is, but they're tough to come by.
0: Next, we hear from Minnesota's head coach, Jerry Kill, in his second year heading up the Golden Gophers. Kill was asked if there was a point when his staff recognized just how good the Minnesota defense might be this year.
1: I wish I could say that, but I, I don't think that, um, you know, I, I think it's been work in progress. I, you know, I, I think we felt like we got better through the spring, but until you go play games, you really don't know exactly where you're at. You know, I, I think we felt like we, you know, added some, some people to the defense and some some depth in, in recruiting, and um, we also redshirted some kids, and then we had some younger kids that, uh, you know, uh, gained some weight and got better in the weight room. and. And uh, physically got better, but I don't think any of us just thought, "Yeah, hey, we're gonna, you know, be this, you know, be better on defense." And um, you know, I think our we felt like our team could be better because we're we're a little bit stronger and faster than we were a year ago, and we have some continuity with our coaching staff. And I think that's kind of what's taking place. I think our kids understand a little bit more what what we need to do and so forth. But uh, it's each week changes defensive go from playing run team. That's a Fred, throw it uh, 50 times a game, and then the next next game you're up, somebody can run it down your throat. So, you know, it, defense is uh, not easy to coach or play, and, and to this point, uh, the first four games, uh, we've been pleased with our effort. But uh, again, uh, we step into the Big Ten, and, and we'll, we'll definitely have to find out how good we are this week.
0: Kill was asked about the importance of this Saturday's rivalry game with Iowa, especially given the recent history in the series.
1: I think the the most important thing to our football program is right now we've improved every week. Uh, we do go play Iowa at Iowa. It's a rival game, and and both teams I know will play well and play hard. And uh, you know we have a great deal of respect. I certainly do uh, with coach and, and and how they play. So you know every game is important uh, in the game of football. It's hard to win on Saturdays. Uh, it really is. And uh, so uh, we're just trying to do the same preparation that. Uh, we've done week to week and for for a long time, and just keep doing what we're doing, and try to get better, and hopefully we'll continue to have some success.
0: Jerry Kill talks about how Minnesota prepares to play its two biggest rivalry games against Iowa and against Wisconsin.
1: I think we do a lot of that during two-a-day camp. We go through our traditions here at Minnesota. We go through the rivalry games. We go back through history. We talk about it. We do a lot during two-a-day camp, and and you know, and try to educate our our kids how special it is to be at the University of Minnesota, be in the Big Ten, and have the privilege to, to play great games like this. So, uh, you know, uh, we do a lot of educating um, even before we get to the, the week of the preparation, but because at the end of the day, you, you know, you got to get your kids prepared, and that's what we're going to try to do.
0: Kill talks about the play of his offense under backup quarterback Max Shortell.
1: I think, you know, we made a strong emphasis in recruiting quarterbacks, and, and um, you know, I, I feel like that position's critical um, as everybody does I think in coaching and, and we're a little bit, you know, I can't speak for everybody else but uh, we do a lot of stuff in practice with two huddles with with two offensive lines and, and, uh, and we get a lot of repetition with our first quarterback and second quarterback and, and even some with our, our third and, and I think the way we practice has helped us because we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of depth on our football team we're trying to build some and uh, we're very, very young so the more repetition that you get in practice i think the better you get so that's what we've tried to do i think it's helped max develop and uh, our quarterback coach done a very nice job
0: and jerry kill was asked if his team's four and oh start will mean that much if the gophers stumble in big 10 play
1: i think any time you win a football game it means something to you and you know we we only won three last year so i mean um you know i think we take uh, i think all coaches do you you take one week at a time i mean uh, You look at the NFL, you look at college football, and and that's why you play. There's something different every week. Um, you got young people involved in our game that's at the college level that has to go to classes. They have a lot going on in their life. Uh, To keep a team consistent and playing well throughout a whole year is not an easy thing to do. Uh, Injuries fall into that category. Uh, There's a lot of things out of your control, but uh, what you can control is the preparation, and that's what we try to do, and if we can stay consistent, then we'll let the chips fall where they may and just try like I said we're building a program we're a little bit different than everybody else in the Big Ten is right now and you know uh, we're a long way from where we want to be and uh, but we are making some progress <laughs>
0: hosts Minnesota this Saturday in its 101st annual homecoming game at Kinnick Stadium. The Hawkeyes are 54-41-5 and five in these games, and 6-9 and versus the Golden Gophers in homecoming contests. The Hawks have also won their last three homecoming games, and Saturday's contest also marks the second earliest homecoming game in Iowa's history. In the series with Minnesota overall, the Gophers have a 61-42-2 and two advantage and have won the last two games both in Minneapolis. The Hawkeyes' record against Minnesota in Iowa City is 27-23-1, and the Gophers' last win at Kinnick Stadium came in 1999, Kurt Ferentz's first year as Iowa head coach. The last two Iowa-Minnesota games have been decided by a combined total of only four points, and Minnesota's wins have also been partially as a result of recovered onside kicks late in those contests. As every Iowa fan knows, this game is also the annual battle for the Floyd of Rosedale traveling trophy. And since the Hawkeyes trophy case has been empty now for quite some time, coupled with the fact that Minnesota has kept the bronze pig the last two years, it should serve as some additional motivation for Iowa's players. Since Floyd has been at stake in this series, Minnesota leads 41-34-2. and Kirk Ferentz is in his 14th year as Iowa head coach and is dean of the Big Ten coaches. His career record 110 and 89. His Iowa mark is 98 and 68. This will be Kirk's 200th game as a head coach, and overall, his teams have won 55% of their games. Jerry Kill is in his second year as Minnesota head coach, is 19th overall as a head coach, and he has the reputation of rebuilding down programs, including at Northern Illinois and Southern Illinois. He is 7 and 9 with the Gopher, 134 and 82 overall. Both of these teams have their bye week next week, so there's no advantage to leaving any gas in the tank on Saturday. Iowa comes into this game only 2 and 2 in non-conference play and on the heels of an embarrassing home loss to Central Michigan of the Mid-American Conference. The Hawkeyes need vast improvement quickly in all three phases, entering the Big Ten portion of their schedule. Minnesota, on the other hand, enters Big Ten play at 4-0, and have a markedly improved defense that That is, enhancing a capable offense, even without starting quarterback Marquise Gray, who's likely out of this game with an ankle injury. His replacement, sophomore Max Chartel, is putting up some big passing numbers with a lot of big plays. The Gophers have a solid running back in Donnell Kirkwood, and they spread the ball around to several decent receivers. In fact, 11 Gophers have already caught passes from either Gray or Chartel. They've already scored 119 points through their first four games, a mark they did not reach last year until game number seven and Shortell passes about 70% of the time. The combination of Iowa's lack of pressuring opposing quarterbacks in its first four games with this kind of pressure on the defensive secondary could make for a long day in Iowa City. The most improvement for the Golden Gophers has come in their defensive line, and they are highly ranked in the Big Ten and nationally in several key defensive statistics. They've also been very good at creating turnovers, including seven interceptions so far out of a total of ten, which is tied for the lead in the Big Ten, and they have have totaled 11 sacks through the first four games, trailing only Nebraska in the conference in that category. For a September game and a Big Ten opener, this homecoming contest comes about as close to a must-win situation as it gets for Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Great story, compelling and rich. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinat on Hawkeye's mic and on the Balbinat and Brommel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com.
2: And broadcast school has really paid
0: off.
1: First down and goal from the 5, Weissman to carry. Weissman shoving tacklers into the end zone for the touchdown! What a run by Mark Wiseman
2: for six. This young man really is coming to his own. You believe that just a couple of weeks ago, he was a fullback lead blocking for Damon Bullocks.
1: Momentum, Hawkeyes as well. 13 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns for Mark Wiseman.
0: Time now for the second of our two weekly Reporter's Notebook segments, this one with Scott Doctorman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com and his blog Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter, at Scott Doctorman, and you can listen to Scott on WMT Radio's pregame show three hours before kickoff for Iowa's home games. Scott previews the Minnesota game and more. Scott, as
3: painful as it is, any fleeting thoughts about Iowa's loss last Saturday to Central Michigan and the impact that could have on the program?
4: I think it could linger if Iowa allows it to linger. And uh, what it shows you, big picture, is this team is a long way away from, from being a good program, being a consistent program, and haven't finding any kind of sync, both offensively, defensively, and special teams. There are several situations where the right personnel wasn't on the field, where plays weren't in on time, or... Uh, whether it was a field goal unit that they could decide whether to kick or go for it or uh, 12 guys on the field running in and out of plays and then of course the the fateful onside kick at the end Uh, it just seems like there are growing pains and then there's this I think it's too right now they're disjointed in a lot of areas and they've got to get over this pretty quickly. We knew that they were going to be young and they are going to have some challenges, but I think the 2-2 two two start was not what anybody expected. And the loss to Central Michigan, which is ranks among the worst in the Ferentz era, uh, you know, they have to have a lot of soul-searching at this point. And uh, going back, they did some good things, but when you come up on the losing end of a game like that against an opponent like that, there, there's nothing really positive you can you learn from that game.
3: I'll ask you the same question I posed earlier this week to Steve Batter and Marv Cook, absent some kind of a stunning and immediate improvement in this team, do you see a realistic way it will even be able to get to a 500 mark, and and does this make the Minnesota game essentially a must-win for the Hawkeyes? Well,
4: I think it, it does. I think the reason is Iowa doesn't need to worry about a bowl game right now. Iowa needs to worry about kind of the things they can control, the improvements in different areas, but that said, playing Minnesota uh, is important for the program for a lot of reasons. Number one, Iowa has struggled in the trophy department lately. I mean, since uh, losing that one-point heartbreaker to Wisconsin two years ago, they've lost every trophy game they've played. And and at this point, it's, uh, what, six in a row and growing? Uh, You've got to win. And this one's the most important one, in my opinion, of the trophies themselves. I mean, Florida Rose has the best tradition in history of any college football rivalry trophy, and uh, it goes back to 1935. Iowa needs to get on track, feel good about itself, has a bye week afterwards. Words. And uh, and in order to move forward in the Big Ten, got to start with this game right here. It's kind of strange when you look back at the pre- at the uh, non-conference games. They've lost two games by a total of four points. But that says a lot about the program right now. They're just not able to, to do it when it needs to be done. And uh, starting against Minnesota is very important. I find it's really a good time to play Minnesota because in the past, up to the last year, they usually played it at the end of the year, and only one team that's something at stake and most of the time it's been Iowa in recent years but now both teams have a lot at stake with a 4-0 Minnesota program and a 2-2 Iowa program that really needs to get going. It puts not only the rivalry on focus and makes it a more of an, an interesting game, but it's important for both teams, one, for Minnesota to prove it's a real program, and two, for Iowa to get back on track.
3: While Iowa starts the season on a down note to the Big Ten portion of the season, Minnesota's coming in on a high. They seem to be playing with a lot of confidence. They're certainly talking that way. They have a significantly improved defense with impressive stats, and by all reports, they've been placing a lot of emphasis on keeping Floyd in Minneapolis.
4: As they should. Uh, it's important to them, too. Uh, and, and loss in this a little bit is, in the last few years, I wouldn't say Iowa took these trophy games uh, for granted, but they, they didn't put a lot of importance on them. The importance was on winning the game rather than winning the prize. And Whereas Minnesota, in the times that struggled, has been uh, focused on something like this. Uh, you Last know, Last two years, they've only won three games, but they could point to winning Floyd Roseale as, hey, that's something positive for our team and for our players to grow on. And uh, and Minnesota is all focused about keeping Floyd Roseale. They are very confident. I spoke to Troy Suttermeyer, who participated in the 2008 game, where he was the kickoff returner who set Big Ten records for returns, but part of that was because they got beat 55 to nothing. But he said the mentality of the team is, right now, they should come down and win. And why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they think that way? So uh, you know, based on the way they play, they won four games in a row. Uh, they want to keep Floyd. They want to come down here. They have won in Iowa City in 13 years, and they want to prove to the world that they are capable of, of maintaining their their trophy and uh, and show that they're a quality program in the Big Ten.
3: Since much of their improvement has been on defense and especially on their defensive line, let's focus on that a bit first. Who are their key players there, and what challenges is that going to pose for Iowa's offense? And how do you see those Two units matching up.
4: This is going to be a difficult scenario for Iowa because, uh, you know, the Gophers have two very talented defensive ends. And I won't say they came from nowhere, but we really didn't know much about them going into this year, and that's DL Wilhite and Rashid Hageman. Uh, they've combined for seven and a half sacks already this year in four games uh, and combined for nine tackles for loss. I mean, this is this is a unit they've collapsed the pocket. They've forced things going. I mean, and what we can say about Iowa, at least in the last. Three games, they haven't had to focus too much on the uh, you know on protecting the quarterback. I mean, the first game was a real soul crushing kind of game for the line, but but the last three, they they protected well. And, and this is going to put a lot of focus on this. And, and when we're looking, we're talking about a offense that hasn't produced uh, you know especially in the pass game, one touchdown so far this year. Uh, it's going to be a real challenge. So uh, facing that, uh, that's going to be difficult. You're talking about a team that's right now got seven interceptions. Uh, that's uh, got you know, three fumble recoveries. I mean, they turn, they're getting turnovers. And when you do that, you know, this is a team last year that only had four interceptions all year. So they're going after the ball. They're doing a good job of forcing those big plays defensively. Granted, Minnesota hasn't played a lot of top tier competition, but they feel really good about themselves. And why wouldn't
3: they? Yeah, you have to think that I haven't seen their games uh, on video, but you would have to think even absent uh, getting sacks, that defensive line must be. Be putting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks to create that many interceptions already in the season.
4: Yeah, they have, and, and not only that, they've done a good job in the running game. Uh, against Syracuse, they not only collapsed the pocket but they dictated the, t- the tempo of the game. The, last, the only touchdown Syracuse got, you know, I remember Syracuse put up 41 on Northwestern, was uh, late, late, late in the game. I mean, it was with only just a few minutes left uh, that, uh, in fact, 46 seconds left in the game that they scored a touchdown. So um, this is a, uh, a much-improved unit, that, one that uh, you cannot take for granted anymore. I mean, it's, Minnesota has been kind of undisciplined, unfiltered, Focused, had decent players from time to time over the years, but, um, but still play hard, but not not like this. They're playing hard, they're playing confidence, confident, they're disciplined, they've got talent. So, uh, this is a team you got to be prepared for if you want to have a chance to win on Saturday.
3: Even without starting quarterback Marquise Gray, who's been a thorn in Iowa's side recently, the Gophers' backup, Max Ortel seems more than capable and a very impressive passer.
4: He is a lot different than, than Gray. Gray's a great athlete, 6'4, 250. He's not going to play, it sounds like. Uh, but Max Shortell, 6'6, almost 240, uh, uh, can throw the ball over the field. You've got a better arm than Marquise Gray, uh, your traditional drop back quarterback, who actually came to Iowa um, and camped here, wanted to wanted to go to school here. He's from the Kansas City area, but uh, Iowa wasn't interested. They decided to go ahead and take uh, uh, Jake Rudock. So um, Shortell went to Minnesota. He's excited about playing against Iowa because he, he really wanted to go here. So you uh, he look at he is in that passing game, been real productive. Uh, they have a really nice wide receiver as well, and uh, A.J. Barker, and he's uh, been all over the field doing all kinds of interesting things. He reminds me a little bit of that Cody Wilson that uh, Central Michigan had, where he's you he just, you can't lose focus, you can't lose him, or he's going to make big plays.
3: I thought one of the things that stood out to me when I was looking at Minnesota's stats through the first four games, they, 11 players have caught passes already. That's that's really spreading the ball around a lot.
4: Yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, they 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 do get the ball to a lot of different players, and and I'd be remiss not to mention what to know Kirkwood has done so far as a redshirt sophomore. I mean, you know, they just they seem reinvigorated after a year or two of Jerry Kill's era, and and you can't you have to mention what Jerry has done. He's done it in the past at different schools like Northern Illinois, Southern Illinois, and I remember way back when at Emporia State, and uh, you know to, to bring in and build that type of philosophy with this team that's so different than the way they've been in the past they're building a program and he'll, he always mentions it that we're a little different here in Minnesota we're trying to build a program we're not trying to we're not like everybody else and and they, they believe in that philosophy Troy Troy who was a cornerback uh, before he you know he said he was worried he's only a couple hundred yards shy of the national record for kickoff returning yards, and he two years ago that's what he was really focused on he said now that is Worried about winning games and getting this hex off of us is what he told me. So right, they're focused. They want to win, and uh, and they've got players to do it. Right
3: now, yeah. You mentioned Donnell Kirkwood, the, their tailback. I heard the Minnesota radio analyst describing him as kind of a bowling ball, kind of a running back. He's five ten, but weighs two nineteen, and he's kind of having a breakout season.
4: Yeah, you know, he's averaging four and a half yards a carry, about ninety yards a game. Uh, you know, physical, low to the ground guy, good balance. Hard, strong runner, you know, and and last year, you know, they they had Marquise Gray run a lot, and that's all they can really do. Well, Kirkwood, it gives him a traditional running back, and he's got three touchdowns. He he hasn't lost a lot of yards, which means he's been physical and active. So, this, you know, the only thing I can say, uh, if you want to say something negative, is they really don't have many guys who have uh, produced outside of him. Uh, Marquise Gray, of course, did, but he's out. Um, You know, the next guy, James Gillum, is, uh, you know, only got 60 yards four games so you know he's getting 15 yards a game that's not going to get it done so uh, Iowa has to focus a lot on Kirkwood if they can do that they can slow down Minnesota's attack and, and cover Barker because if they don't cover A.J. Barker it could get rid you know Iowa's had a tendency to allow those types of players to get open in quite a bit it could be just another game from that standpoint
3: From Iowa's perspective James Vandenberg who started really hot last week didn't really tailed off the last three quarters he hasn't Really shown that he does well under pressure, and that's the strength of the Minnesota defense.
4: you know, it's kind of, it's concerning now that we've gone a third of the way through the season. I can't even believe that's the case that there's a third of the season <laughs> a third of the way over with, but, but he's got one touchdown pass and it's just not what you'd expect from a, a fifth-year guy, you know, a senior guy who threw 25 touchdowns last year. I mean, he's an accurate guy with a strong arm, a smart guy, and it just can't figure out what, what's going on. I mean, last week they had a, he was 9-9 nine nine to start the game, and then they had a fourth down play where uh, they had a broken coverage. I mean, an easy touchdown pass to Kavante Martin Manley. And Vandenbroek kind of maintains that, well, the coverage was broken and they had guys in his face and he couldn't get him the ball. And to me, that's when you get him the ball. And I, I don't understand the the rationale with that. Um, I do like the way Keenan Davis has played for the most part. He's had a couple of missteps, but uh, he's also made some t- tough catches. But really, for, and Kavante Martin Manley has also gotten open a few times. But uh, for the most part, they're either unable to get the ball to some of the other players or it's just the other players aren't getting open as much as we thought that they should. And that's that's part of the problem right now in the, in the passing game.
3: You mentioned a bit ago the what Iowa's defense will try to do in terms of making Minnesota's offense one-dimensional and try to stop their running back. On the other side of the coin, it'll be interesting to see how Iowa's power running game with Mark Wiseman, coupled with the, the play of the offensive line the last couple of games, of Especially in run blocking, how that might try to stress the Gophers' defense and take some of the pressure off of Vandenberg.
4: I I can almost bet that what Minnesota is going to do is try to take away their run. They're going to stack the line of scrimmage. They're going to they're going to claim that they're cornerbacks. And why wouldn't they say this? That their cornerbacks are you know will be able to take on Iowa's wide receivers and you know pre, try to prevent Iowa from running the football and forcing the pass. I mean they lead the, the Big Ten and and the country in, in interceptions they feel good about the matchups, one-on-one with Keena Davis, Kevante Martin-Manley, and other receivers, they're going to try, they're going to sell out and stop the run. This game is going to be all about James Vandenberg. If he can perform the way Iowa expects him to perform, they've got a good chance of winning. If not, if it's a sluggish or inconsistent performance, it's going to be very difficult for Iowa to win. So he is the key player on the field, in my opinion, and it's going to be about how he can get the ball to his receivers, if his receivers can get any kind of separation. Now, the one thing, other than Iowa State, the other three – Opponents are not in Big Ten caliber perform- uh, leagues. And I was got to realize that unless I can get those receivers open and hit them hit often, it's going to be a really long year for this team.
3: Yeah, and, and the point you just made about. Stacking the box to stop the run will likely take away one of Iowa's most potent offensive weapons, which is the play action. Because if the run isn't working, the play action doesn't work.
4: Well, of course, they're going to try to play action off everything, and then they're going to try to run. Don't get me wrong. You're going to see Iowa run a lot because that's what Iowa does. Iowa is a running team. This, that's the one thing with Greg Davis came in. The running game stayed the same, the terminology changed, but everything in the running game, the inside outside zone play, uh, the blocking pattern. That all stayed. So it's going to be about whether or not uh, you know they, they can break through. They're going to crack at it as often as they can. Mark Wiseman's had a nice couple of games. Uh, Greg Garman apparently is going to be back. The running game, <laughs> which was a, a huge hole going into the season, it seemed to be solidified, at least now. It's a good matter of the passing game. Um, and so if they can use the play action um, and get some one-on-one matchups favorable and get some separation, they're going to be okay. But if they can't, it's going be a long day.
3: Well, you have to wonder if this wouldn't be the ideal game for Iowa's tight ends to become a factor again, because they really haven't been so far this season.
4: You're right, and they need to become a factor, and they need to do it themselves. Um, you know, there's you know a theory, you know Iowa's not getting the ball to the tight ends enough. Well, the tight ends need to get open themselves, and and at this point, we all talked to our blue in the face about C.J. Fedorowicz and making comparisons to Rob Gronkowski. Well, right now he's not even he's not even a pro level type of caliber player, and he needs to figure. Out how to get open. He needs to get open often, and then we worry about Vandenberg getting him the ball. So, uh, and, and not only him, but Zach Kirby, Ray Hamilton, Jake Doozy, they've thrown a few of the younger guys in there later, and uh, they need to get open. But uh, the, the whole passing game looks disjointed at this point, and it's about getting you know whether it's the running back in the flat, the tight end across the middle, or receiver on a seam or a deep back route. They've got to find their stride.
3: And in, in this series, especially in recent years, special teams. Special teams play has played a huge role. You have the onside kicks the last couple of games, but Minnesota also has a terrific kick returner who's excelled against Iowa, and Iowa sometimes struggles in containing those kick returns.
4: Yeah, and Troy Starmer, as I mentioned, you know, he is uh, he set the Big Ten record for most returns and return yards against Iowa in a a game. Now, granted, Iowa won 55 to nothing, so he had a lot of opportunities to make those returns, but still, he's a, a talented kick returner. Iowa, one element that Iowa was not prepared for for each of the last two years was that surprise. And Minnesota really went had nothing to lose in those games. And uh, you're talking about 2010, where Iowa, said, you know, somebody took away their birthday at the end of the year. I mean, they just really didn't have anything to play for. They went up to a cold Minnesota outside, and uh, Minnesota was ready. They wanted to win the game. They came out and scored a touchdown, and then we covered an onside kick and uh, won in a three point game. Last year was a surprise on. Side. They were early in the fourth quarter and they weren't able to defend that. And, and Minnesota kept the ball for 13 minutes in the fourth quarter. iowa It was a lot like last week's game. Iowa controlled the game, especially in the second half, so the onside kick. So um, Iowa has to be prepared on special teams. And really, if you look at the last three years, special teams has been you know a, not only an Achilles heel, but it's been an arrow in the Achilles heel. The Arizona lost, Wisconsin lost, two to Minnesota, central Michigan. Special teams have been the, the outcome that's decided the outcome in those games. Iowa has to get better in that or or, or it's going to suffer the same fate it has in the last three years.
3: Marv Cook keeps emphasizing this almost every week that we visit and and that is that the Hawkeyes are going to need some big plays out of their kick and punt return teams, especially moving into conference play. You can begin to see some inkling that it's coming along in kick returns, but they're getting nothing out of punt returns.
4: Yeah, and I've talked to Micah Hyde about that last year and this year. In fact, last year for a while he didn't even on the Big Ten, uh, among the Big Ten statistical leaders because he was, uh, he didn't return enough to kick. So a lot of them were fair catches or he let the ball go. Um, Iowa's philosophy in the pot return is just secure the ball. We They do not want any turnovers. They don't want to get any risks. It's, you know, you're changing possession. We want the ball. And if we get it, you know, at the 35, that's great. The 40, that's great too. But we'd rather have it at the 35 than lose it at the 43. So that's kind of what his job is to secure the ball one way or the other. And make sure that Iowa gets the possession. So then uh, the punt return is a little is a difficult part of the game, but I I think they have more of a problem than a kick return game. They are not getting anywhere near the yardage they need to. A lot of times they're getting the ball inside the five and they're getting out to the seventeen. That is uncalled for. They need to either make changes there in their scheme or their personnel. The kick kickoff returns are, are below average to where, the, where they
3: need to be. I asked Kirk that question Tuesday, and you know he went on for a while about about the issue with pump returns and the college rules. But Iowa ranks uh, to to your point, even though Garmin, you could see some you know something maybe beginning to gel with Garmin returning kicks. But Iowa is 11th in the conference in kickoff returns, and 8th in the conference in punt returns, and well behind the league leaders in each of those categories. So,
4: Yeah, you know, I mean, Mike, I average in 5.5 yards a carry in a, a punt returns, which is, you know, 5th in the league, but 3rd is 10 yards, and 1st is 30 yards. Now, Ventric Mark is uh, quite the player at Northwestern, but, you know, but that's, uh, that's sad. That's not real good right now.
3: Some speculation based on, I think, what you saw in last week's game with punting, that John Winkie might be edging closer to taking over the punting duties from true freshman Connor Cornblath. Any thoughts on that? Uh,
4: I would say, you know, I mean, he's a veteran guy, and he's, uh, you know, when when Iowa's past the 50, he's, a, he's become a weapon. I mean, you've seen it. Twice now, where he's pinned the uh, the opponent down inside inside the five, close to the one, on, on a couple of different occasions. One was at Northern Illinois, where they're able against Northern Illinois, where they're able to you know negate that and score a game-winning touchdown, uh, you know by by holding them. And but then last week uh, they allowed a 30-yard run right on the first or second play out of the shoot. So if he can p- keep pinning people deep, I mean, yeah, why not use him a little bit more than Connor? But you but you want Connor cornbrath is going to be a long-term guy at that position. So you want to keep getting him reps. Maybe you let him kick some of the longer ones, but you need consistency as well.
3: Mike Meyer continues to show marked improvement. It looks like he's getting stronger on kickoff returns and certainly on PATs and field goals, about as solid as you can get, and that could be critical this week.
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at look at the way he's performing on extra points. I mean, he broke Nate Kading's record. Nate Kading is the most accurate field goal kicker in NFL history, and he broke his record for most consecutive extra points. I mean, it's on just I'm surprised Nate missed one. Well, he was in Iowa, uh, but yeah, he's continuing to hit hit from long distance, uh, hitting the wind, uh, very consistent. Uh, what a what a tremendous player Iowa has in that position. A w- former walk on from
3: from Dubuque. And you alluded to it at the outset here, but I think it's probably fair to say that coaching for the Hawkeyes needs to be a little more decisive and organized than maybe it was last week.
4: I think there are a lot of areas of improvement coaching certainly is there with them. You know, they don't look as prepared as they need to be. The <laughs> They, uh, whether it's getting in the play, making decisions, or putting people in the right positions, uh, it's, it's a work in progress, but uh, play time's over. I mean, you know, the yeah, non-conference season's over, but they need to get decisive and do it quickly because with Big Ten play, there's no more room for error. There's no more room to tweak things. They've got to improve, improve quickly, and, and that starts with potion. coaching.
3: Who are your key players this week for the Hawks, both offensively and defensively?
4: On offense, I'm going to go with James Vandenberg. And it, James has to complete, in my opinion, right around at least two-thirds of his passes. He needs to, They're as we mentioned, uh, they're going to stack the box. They're going to try to prevent the run. Mark Weissman's had a nice couple of games. They want to prevent that. Make Iowa one dimension. Make Iowa throw the football. And then James Vandenberg has to deliver. You know, if he's getting some pressure, you know what? He's just going to have to deal with that. You know, he's going to have to take the hit. He's going to have to still deliver the pass one way or the other. And he hasn't shown he's able to do that this year, even though we know he can do that. On defense, I'm going to go with the defensive ends. I think uh, Joe Gaglio and Dominic Alvis especially uh, need to rush the quarterback. Iowa's pass rush has been minimal this year, and that has to change. They have to get after the quarterback. If otherwise, Max short will have a lot of time to throw. Um, on a touchdown pass the other day, there was a, It was he had a triple move against B.J. Lowry. B.J. can guard for a while. He's a terrific cover corner, but he can only go so long without having a long touchdown pass. And that goes to the fact there's no pressure put on the quarterback. has to be there this week. has to come from the defensive end. So it's up to them to whether or
3: not they can get it done. Prediction?
4: I have a hard time saying Iowa's going to lose three straight in this series. Iowa traditionally comes off a bad loss with a decent performance and a win. I'm going to go with Iowa 23-17 it, but it would not surprise me if the results
3: flipped. In Marv Cook's segment this week, he talked about, and I wish everybody who listens to it could have been there to see it, he, he got very passionate about playing with passion and playing in a rivalry game like this in the Big Ten and the importance of it and how the players should feel about it and looking at the trophy and looking at the scores from all the games in history and how you need to lay it on all on the line. And sometimes you wonder with this Iowa team and this coaching staff, if they have that same passion passion as they approach some of these games.
4: There is a little bit of that. I'm going to visit that this week, and, and there's psychology to it as well. Iowa was traditionally taking that approach of keep playing each and every game one at a time, look only at what you got. Don't allow any kind of outside influences to distract you from your preparation. Well, um, what we've seen out of some of these trophy games, rivalry games, is uh, performances where Iowa fails to match the intensity of their opponents against their three historic rivals. Iowa State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. When the game is decided by four points or less, Iowa is one and eleven. That tells me that when the times in the there's a lot of crunch time situations, but Iowa has failed to match the intensity of their opponents. They need to. In any of those games. Now, Wisconsin aside, where there's kind of a historic, uh, not only historic rivalry, but uh, both teams are seen fairly equally within the prism of the, you know, the last decade, uh, Minnesota and Iowa State have not been the type of rivals that that uh, get to consistent bowl games, upper-division play. So Iowa tends to look down upon that a little bit. You can tell in the way they prepare, whereas the other teams kind of look up at Iowa from, uh, from that perspective. So so what Iowa needs to do is understand the importance of these games. And these games are important to your fan base. And it's time that Iowa respects those types of rivalries and understands that the pig needs something to the state, to the fans, and to the players. And to the fact that they have no trophies in the trophy case. And, uh, the, and it starts this week because if it doesn't happen this week, it's unlikely to happen at the end of the year. And then you've got, you know, your third year in a row, you're, you're entering an offseason without a trophy.
0: British! Sir! Do you know what I just saw? No, sir. A gopher! Gopher? Oh, yeah. Do you know what gophers can do? Ooh, better get rid of those gophers. Is that clear? Oh, aye, sir. Very clear, sir. I'll put my best mind on it. I want you to kill every gopher, the little brown furry rodents. We can do that. Aye. We don't even have to have a reason. Do it, man. That is it, and Central Michigan comes into Iowa City and shocks
2: the Iowa Hawkeyes. A great game, a lot of excitement for the Chippewas. Big win for Dan Enos and this Central Michigan University Chippewas. Central
1: Michigan now 2-1, Iowa 2-2 with the Hawkeyes' second home loss of the season. Not the way the Hawks wanted to end the non-conference season.
0: Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence
4: Call in and express your opinions about the Hawks. To make your voice heard on hawkeyesmike.com, call toll free 866 74 Hawks and join our guest experts on weekly
0: podcasts. Our thanks again to the Big Ten Network for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone.
1: Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked
0: it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.